Hey, everybody, welcome to another episode of Let's Read the Bible, a podcast where you take a deep dive into biblical topics in a way that's easy to understand. If you would like to follow along, you can download the YouVersion Bible app and subscribe to the Bible in a Year reading plan. We also have PDFs available on our website, grove.church. Yeah, so we'd love for you to be joining with us in the conversation uh, and reading along with us in the reading plan this year. Uh, and as you do, if there's questions that pop up or questions that come to your mind, or even in hindsight, maybe you're listening to us and there's questions that, well, what do you mean by that? Uh, we would love to take time uh, as much as we can week to week uh, to answer those questions. Uh, and so you can get us those questions in two ways. One, you can shoot us an email at to info at grove.church. Let me say that again because I think I kind of mumbled it. To info, info at grove.church is the email address. Beautifully uh, said. Thank you. Uh, in the subject line, make sure you put Let's Read the Bible podcast question, uh, or you can say for Evan and Aaron, however you want to do that. Uh, or you can direct message our church Facebook page. We are the Grove Church in Washington State. You can jump on Facebook, find us, send us a question. We get those in the DM as well. Uh, and we look forward to every week answering those questions. This week, we won't be answering any questions. Uh, we think we're going to have kind of a little bit of a longer podcast, but uh, still feel free to send in those questions and we'll make sure to answer them in the weeks to come. All right. Well, we are, we've been in the Gospel of John now for... Ever. A, yeah, a big chunk of time. <laughs> And so we, today we want to talk about the I am statements of Jesus. And if you don't know what those are, congratulations. You're going to find out about it today. So <laughs> congratulations. You don't know what that is. It's uh, seven statements in the Gospel of John where Jesus says, I am blank. And then mm -hmm. we're going to kind of go through all of those, see the context around them, and also see what Jesus is saying about yeah, himself. And they're only, they're only mentioned in the, in the book of John. He, these are the only places that he actually says, I am fill this blank, I am this. Um, so that's it's kind of why it's indicative to the book of John and why we're we gonna take some time this week to talk about it. Yep, so there you go. As far as resources we're using today, I mean, it's pretty light just because we're, we're kind of just reading through yeah, and talking about it. We'll work through it. scripture. So yeah. study, our standard study Bibles, the ESV, Reformation, I can, we can slap the the CSB. I didn't use that one this time. You didn't use nope. it? Uh, ESV is where, where I spent most of my time. So. What? I like it. I just prefer the reading of the CSB. All right. Because I'm prideful. First one, I guess we, you know, I wrote the titles, but let's not spoil Ooh. them. We're just going to read the passages. Here's and then the first we'll, one for you. We'll see while you, we'll see where Jesus says the I am statement. For clarity on this one, though, it is important for the context of the story. This takes place right after Jesus feeds the 5,000. Mm -hmm. So Jesus does the miracle. Does this great miracle. Yep. 5,000 people, bread, fish, killer. They start following him around. Killer. <laughs> yeah, it's like not, they didn't kill anyone. Just, you know, it was a killer miracle. It was a killer meal. It was sick. All right. If you like fish. And John... 6, 25, it starts with, says this, well, 25 through 40. When they found him on the other side of the sea, and this is people seeking Jesus, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? Jesus answered them, truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me, not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Shots fired. So like right there, he's like, like you don't even care about the miracle. Like we just, I just took a kid's lunch, fed 5,000 people. You just want food. So, and I also, sometimes you can be a little bit flippant with this, you know, Poverty was very real back then as well. Yeah, so for it's, sure. It's not just like, oh man, free food. This is yeah. awesome. Like, no, people are, you know, no, people he, are he met he met a very tangible, tangible, practical need. Yes. Um, like I think we're still called to as a church to do as best we can. Um, that that existed then. So So he says in so verse people want more. Yes. He says in verse twenty seven, do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. For on him God the Father has set his seal. Then they said to him, what must, we, what, what must we do to be doing the works of God? Jesus answered them, this is the work of God that you believe in him 
whom he has sent. Oh, who could that be? So they said to him, then what sign do you do that we may see you and see and believe you? What work do you perform? Because apparently feeding the 5,000. Yeah, I was going to say like, hello, wait a minute. Did you not not pay attention? It's like, I mean, this is a theme. It's like the right after the... (laughs) It's so true. It's just like even in my own life, man. The shoot. Giant pillar of fire and pillar of smoke following them around. And then like, oh and leading Mo- the way yeah. and protecting them. And like Moses, we're all gonna die. And he's like, No, we're not gonna and then the Red Sea split. They go through it. And then even then, like a few months later, they're just like, Well, God's abandoned us. Like it's just, you know, it's a nothing's good enough. For those nope. of you who think if I could just see a miracle, I'd believe. It's not true. You uh, believe for a moment, probably. And it but it fades. Yes. Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. I wonder who that could be. They said to him. I see him pointing at himself the whole time he's saying this. He's just like, come on, guys. Come on. Hello. They said to him, sir, give us this bread always. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you, uh, but I said to you that you have seen me and yet do not believe. All the Father gives me will come out. Uh, will all the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me will never ca- I will never cast out. For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of Him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up for the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. All right, so that's our first one. We've got, I am the bread of life. Mm -hmm. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. All right. Is he literal? Yeah, obviously he's not being literal here. He's not saying if you are a Christian, you'll never be hungry, you'll never be thirsty. Uh, But I think, and and this is where I think it's important too, because again, I I, I made kind of a flippant joke in the beginning, but I I want to be careful with that. Um, Hunger and disease and thirst are real things. Um, And especially during Jesus's day, this is not like in the, in the modern, um, in the modern wealthy West, I guess we'll classify it, but it, hunger isn't really something that you deal with a ton, um, and even when you have people who are uh, you have people who are hungry, there are v- multiple ways to be able to get that taken care of. There's ways that you there's food banks, there's all these different things to be able to make sure that we don't have people who are dying of starvation. Um, in Jesus' day, that was not necessarily the case. Now, it was supposed to be the case. People were supposed to be able to give alms to the poor, all those different things. But you can see people who are just struggling with hunger. So it's it's a very real struggle, it's a very real fear mm-hmm. that they have. But also Jesus is trying to show them that the main focus of their life should not be on getting bread. It should not be on getting food. It should not be on all those things, but it should be on, well, what's past that? Mm-hmm. And it's, it's, this, it's this constant refrain that Jesus has where it's focusing on the eternal, not just on what is here on earth. Not that, that, not that what's here on earth isn't important. It is important to eat. It's important to drink, but it's even more important uh, eternal bread eternal life, that sort of thing. So that's kind of the point that he's making here. Yeah. And I think you see, you know, is there's different things that we practice as Christians today. You know, the, the assumption is that we practice them, but the idea of fasting, you know, part of the purpose of fasting is to deny our bodies for a time, the physical nourishment of food in preference to a spiritual um, connection and, and depth and growth with Christ. And, uh, and so you do, you see this tension of, like Jesus is 
not just unwilling to meet the tangible needs because he did that. Right. This came right at the heels of, you know, right after the miracle he performed. And then he called them out for it. And it's, it's interesting because how often do we chase after the things of God for the provision he gives rather than the fact that it's a, it's a soul conversation. It's a kingdom minded reality that Jesus is constantly combating. against. he's constantly trying to remind people, not just in ancient times, but also today that what's far more important is eternal than the temporal. Yep. Um, and, and we see, I mean, you can look at the, 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 the totality of scripture, you know, and you see in Revelation where, where John talks about, you know, then he will wipe away every tear from your eye, the new Jerusalem, new heavens, new earth, all of these, these things that God is redeeming and refreshing. Um, there's this, this, this picture where it's, it's, it's an eternal reality that Jesus is calling us to look to. Um, and then there's also the, again, like he, he reiterates this, you see this in Matthew, Matthew chapter six, where you see Jesus talk about, you know, providing the things that are needed. And he talked, he refers to sparrows of the air. Are they not more important? Are we not more important than them? Mm-hmm. And he provides for them. They don't freak out or stress out about where they're going to eat, what they're going, where they're going to live, what they're going to eat, things like that. So um, you do, it's, it's to Jesus, the reason why he came was not just the tangible temporary, it was the eternal bridging that gap, drawing humanity back into relationship with God, their father, who's their provider, um, and then helping empower them through the Holy Spirit to, to do what God has called them to do and live uh, steadfast and consistent lives. And so it is, it's this picture of what's more important. This is the picture. That's the picture Jesus is painting, food or your eternal salvation with me. Right. It's always a reminder to keep an eternal perspective. Mm-hmm. All right. Our next one, John 8. This one's going to be spoiled right away. <laughs> and, Jesus <laughs> so spoke, true. and Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So the Pharisees said to him, you are bearing witness about yourself. Your testimony is not true. Jesus answered, even if I do bear witness about myself, my testimony is true. For I know where I came from and where I am going, but you do not know where I come from or where I am going. You judge according to the flesh. I judge no one. Yet even if I do judge, my judgment is true. For it is not I alone who judge, but I and the Father who sent me. In your law, it is written that the testimony of two people is true. I am the one who bears witness about myself, and the Father who sent me bears witness about me. They said to him, therefore, where is your father? And Jesus answered them, you know neither me nor my father. If you knew me, you would know my father also. These words he spoke in the treasury as he taught in the temple, but no one arrested them because him because his time had not come or his hour had not yet come. So there you go. Also, I love that little aside at the end where basically saying like, hey, listen, God's going to decide when <laughs> like when this goes down. Yeah. It's not going to be the Pharisee's choice. All right. So I am the light of the world. This is a really famous one. Mm-hmm. I feel like it. So bread of, I mean, bread of life is pretty famous too. We're going to get to a couple that are you might not have heard of before, but light of the world is a pretty, like if you've been a Christian for a while, it, yeah. it's probably come up at one point or the other. And it's also, it's also pretty self-explanatory. Um, just the idea of all of us walking in darkness. I like the way Paul says it, or just essentially the idea of um, the death of sin mm-hmm. and Jesus bringing us to life. This is another metaphor for that same idea of all of us are in darkness. And then all of a sudden the light that is Jesus, the light that is the gospel comes into the world. Um, it's one of my, um, one of the things I think that we don't do super duper well, and I'm a bit of a hypocrite for this because I don't do it well in my life either. Um, but I was I was listening to someone talk about it, I can't remember where, but it was the idea of um, we don't do Advent really well. Hmm. And what Advent is, is this idea of 
the anticipation for Christmas. So it's the it's the days leading yeah, the up coming to coming Christ. Yeah, Advent calendars. I guess if you yeah if you heard of those, different though. It's not about yeah, but chocolate. not yeah. It's not about the chocolate, right? Um, but there's really only one great Advent song, and it's O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. Um, I can't think of any others, but wow, roast me in the comments, or not, I don't know, comments, email in <laughs> if you have other ones. Yeah, that roast I, me in the reviews. Wait a minute. That don't I do that. Think of. Keep them five star, but then roast me in the text. <laughs> um, but anyway, no. So it's this whole idea of just this, this longing mm-hmm. to come out of darkness, this longing for the eventual Messiah that's going to come. And Jesus' point all, almost all throughout the gospel, it's just like, you should know who I am and this should be really exciting for mm-hmm. you. And still there, and it is for a lot of people, but there's a, there's a whole group of people who are just like, listen, this isn't very cool. Yeah. So that's the whole idea there. And then I also just love the language of, um, if you know me, you know my father. And he's kind of just getting at the point yeah. of like, you, you guys like, think about this for a while. Think mm-hmm. about who the Messiah is. Think about who I am. I am. Yeah. Basically. I, I am who I am. That's why the, that's why the, the I am statements as well. Yeah. So, well, I think it's also important to remember too, like, you know, you, you kind of alluded to the idea of coming out of darkness. That's what Advent really is for. That's what the birth of, of Christ came. I mean, the, the bright shining star. Um, but again, go back to the timing, go back to the context there. I think you see the, the intertestamental period, which we spent time talking about years or not years ago, months ago. Um, but it was this 400 years of silence. There wasn't a prophet from God. There wasn't any communication from God. It almost was like, does he even really exist? Does he even really care? And and when Jesus like says, I'm the light of the world, there is this anticipation that existed in God's people for the coming Messiah. And, and while he fulfilled prophecies at his birth, there's still prophecies he's fulfilling throughout his life before his death and resurrection where everything is finished. When he says it's finished, he's referring to all of it. Like I've completed everything. Um, but there is this, it's this anticipation. It's, you know, you, you wait for the break of dawn. You, you don't like, you don't walk through a dark room without some kind of light. So you see where you're walking, but there is this anticipation of coming out of darkness. Um, and Jesus says, I'm, I'm, I am that I'm the light that's going to shine brightly in the darkness and the time is coming. But again, remember like, God's people were anticipating this. They were looking for the Messiah and, and Jesus is saying, hello, here I am. Um, and kind of that fashion, but, uh, yeah, it was really pivotal. It was really important as he, he mentioned this. So next one, this one, I think is a lot of people, you might not have heard of this one. If you say like, who's the light of yeah, the world? It gets a little muddy. I think as far as the text goes to, to recognize that I am statement here, mm-hmm. but. So we're going to go through here in a sec, but if you've heard, you know, if you say who's the light of the world, you'd be like, Jesus, Jesus, who's the light of the world. This one, we'll find out. Yeah. So John 10, truly, truly, boy, he, Jesus loves going truly, truly. I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him, the gatekeeper opens, the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. You can afford to do that when you're shearing things as opposed to killing them. I shouldn't say that because they actually, I'm, they killed sheep to eat them too and sacrifice. Yeah. But I, I always talk about how if I was going to become a farmer, I'd want to be a sheep farmer. That way you can actually get attached to the animals because, you know, you're not just like raising them to like two years old and then killing them for bacon. And this is as an, a Charlotte's Web reference. As an avid as an avid bacon lo- lover, I have no moral problems, no, mo- no moral qualms. I just don't think I could do it. So there you go. Um, but anyway, when he has brought them uh, out all his own, he goes before them and the sheep follow him for they know his voice. 
A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. That's that's a common theme all throughout the Gospels. <laughs> so Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to kill, or only to steal, kill, and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. That verse is pretty famous. You might, yeah. You've probably heard oh, that I've, before. I've, I don't know how many times I've used that in any moment on a stage. Yep. Uh, but the truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. That might not be one of the things that you think of as Jesus, but yeah. it's a really important point as well. If we're talking about you know, the bread of life, the idea of don't just chase things that are here in the present, chase after eternal life that will keep giving you life forever. Uh, the light of the world, this idea that the world is shrouded in darkness, mm-hmm. it's covered in sin, and now the gospel is going to shine through. Beautiful things. The door is speaking of the exclusivity of Jesus. Mm-hmm. So there's no other way to get to God. There's no other way to repair the broken relationship that we have from sin. Jesus is the only way. And when we say that, what I mean is the great hope of Christianity, the great hope of Jesus is that one day we will be united with God and will be in perfect relationship with him. Um, all the other stuff is gravy, mm-hmm. but that's that's the main hope. And I think we lose sight of that just because we focus so much on, and it goes back to the bread of life conversation. We, so we focus so much on the here and now mm-hmm. that we don't think about the eternal things. And the here and now is great. Like the, the hope that Jesus gives us in this life is amazing. The, the leading of the Holy Spirit, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit is an incredible thing. Um, but the ultimate hope of the Christian is that after we die, or if Jesus comes back, we are going to have eternal relationship with God forever and ever. And the only way to do that is through is through Jesus. Jesus is the gate. He's the door. Yeah. I like gate. I like the translations that say gate. Yeah. Because door sounds a little informal. Well, and I think gate gate feels or feels the this the not the analogy, but the 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 comparison better because he talks about a sheep pen. He talks about coming and going. He talks about these the door that provides access not just to the safety and and you know uh, protection of the pen um, that should keep um, you know predators out. That should keep you know for the most part robbers out. Um, the pen really is that that hedge of protection, if you will. Uh, which I remember years ago we we joked about that statement a bit, not on the podcast, but just personally. A hedge of protection. Oh my goodness. Um, so, but that, that the door is that protection. The door when it's open, like there is provision, like there is a, t- a leading out. And so I think there is. It's it's not just an eternal filter, but there's also this like access filter. Like God, Jesus is the door. He's the one that we we process through. He's the one that we go through. He's the one um, that we look to lead and direct and guide us. When when that door is open, we know it's time to go out. When that door is closed, we know it's time to stay in. Um, and so there's just different, I mean, there's different layers to understand it, but, and Jesus is speaking, he uses this analogy too, because it's, it's a very, uh, I've said this before in a message, like agrarian, it's very farming driven. Um, and so it's something that they can understand and reference quite a bit. Uh, but it is, it is a, a very strategic picture and a very intentional picture that he is, um, trying to paint. Like I'm, I'm the one that protects, provides, and cares for you. That that's what he does as, as that. So. For the record, I just looked it up and the, the CSB says gate instead of door. So <laughs> hashtag winning. Walked into that trap. All right. So we've got <laughs> Jesus, the bread of life, 
He's sustaining us. Jesus is the light of the world. He is saving us. Jesus is the door. He is the only way. Now we're going to get to our next one, which is actually the next, it picks up the verse after where yeah. I cut off. So same chapter, John 10, starting verse 11. I am the good shepherd. Aww. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd who does not own the sheep sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the father knows me and I know the father, I lay down my life for the sheep. All right. So this is a, I, I, I really love this one. Good shepherd is great. Um, yeah. One of the things that I that I love about the Spanish language is that they don't have different words for pastor and shepherd. Like it's actually the same word. Mm-hmm. Whereas for us in English, we, we differentiate those things. But if you were to refer, refer to someone who is in the hills tending sheep, that's a pastor and then someone who is actually um, a pastor. A, a, pastor, a pastor. pastor. Yeah. So cool deal there. This always reminds me the the language of the hired hand. It reminds me of that. You know how you just have those memories from childhood that is burned in you and it's not even like anything traumatic. <laughs> it's just kind of like, I, I distinctly remember this conversation. Uh, we have close family friends who uh, the father owns his own business. And so he's owned it for a long time now. And I remember I was in the car with him and my dad and I was in the back seat, and he was talking about, and not even like in an angry way, but he was talking about how difficult it is to hire employees because they just don't care as much as he does. Mm-hmm. And nor necessarily should they, right? Because you know, it's 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 just a job for when when you're an employee. But for him, it's his life's work. Yeah. It's his business. If this fails, he fails. Whereas if it fails for them, they can just go find another job. That's kind of the picture painted here of the hired hand versus the shepherd. The shepherd is this is his flock. He knows the sheep. He actually cares about them. The hired hands, first sign of danger, they're out because See ya. they don't have they don't have you know what I mean like they they don't have any skin in this game. Yeah. So what Jesus is saying is he's not a hired hand. He's not leaving at the first sign of trouble, which he will prove beyond a shadow of the yeah. doubt with the crucifixion true. later on. Spoilers later on. But it's this idea that Jesus is the good shepherd. He cares for the sheep. He's not a hired hand. He's going to be with the sheep. And then just the picture of and. We, this is, it's almost a cliche to talk about now because I think the analogy gets used so, so often. Uh, but sheep are just notoriously dumb animals. What? So it's this whole idea of um, if the shepherd's not there, the sheep can, they can, they can be in a decent chunk of trouble, um, but it's protecting them. You, we hear about with David where he slays, uh, I think it's bears and lions with just a sling and all these different things. And his bare hands. And his bare hands. Was... Pun intended. Well, I saw this. I saw this comic the other day that was like, uh, as an American, I have the right to bear arms. And then it zooms out and it has like bear arms. And he's like, yes. And then starts attacking people. That's good stuff. Anyway, that's just a complete aside. But yeah, it's this idea that I think with a lot of people, and it got really popular in the enlightenment as well. A lot of people view God as kind of really detached. Hmm. So he creates the world. He spins it into motion and then kind of walks away from it. Like this is clearly what, like in the American family, this is clearly what Thomas Jefferson and a few of the other founders, uh, like the major ones, thought. They believed in God, but it's like, well, God doesn't really interfere with anything anymore. Um, Whereas for us, and we see in the Bible, like Jesus is deeply, deeply affected by what by what happens he cares deeply for people he loves people he loves even the unlovable in the next chapter of john we're going to get to another i am statement but it's a story we talked about a few weeks ago with lazarus where he takes the time to actually sit and weep with the family as Mm -hmm. they're going through loss jesus 
cares. Yeah. Which I think is beautiful. It's a beautiful way to say it. Yeah. And I think it's really, I mean, it is a very, it is a very, you know, for lack of a better word, beautiful picture to, to see Christ in that manner as a shepherd. Um, and it does, it reminds me often of the, you know, the uh, Psalm 23, where it talks about the Lord being our shepherd. It's the Psalm of David. And, and in that, in that Psalm, you see a picture of what a shepherd does for his sheep. Um, and it, you know, he leads, he leads the sheep by still waters. He forces them to lie down. He, he, there's things that a shepherd does that sometimes we think shepherds are meant, when we hear the word care, we think only positive, like, oh, he's going to love me. He's going to hug me. He's going to affirm me and encourage me. And that's part of the caring. But the other side of the caring too is, you know, if a sheep wanders off, he goes and finds a sheep. And I, I don't, I haven't, I've never va- verified this, which I probably shouldn't even say it. And probably maybe Evan, you know, um, but one of the things the sheep would do or the shepherd would do in the ancient times when a sheep wanders off, I, I, I've heard that he would break a leg and carry him back on his shoulders. And then reset it after. And reset it after. I've heard that, yeah. Um, to, in essence, to, it's that strong discipline of like, don't wander off. Like, I, I'm here to care for you. I'm here to provide for you. I'm here to do, um, and, and to do right for you. And and so, but there is this picture of, you know, Jesus wandering away from the 99 and chasing after the one. And you see this, this beautiful picture of what a shepherd really is, but also this hard picture of a shepherd. And you see it in, in Psalm 23, which is why I like when I read this passage, or I always draws me back to Psalm 23 and reminds yeah. me of who Jesus is and what he does. Um, forcing me to lie down beside still waters is not, it's not always what I want to do. I mean, it causes me he, he, like to stop and to, I mean, scripture says to be still know that I'm God. Like it causes me to stop and then to reflect on what I know about who God is. Like, but sometimes it's like, I just want to put my head down. Let's go. God, let's keep going. Nope. We're going to stop and rest. Well, God, I don't want to. And he's purposeful in everything he does and where he leads and how he guides, he's purposeful. Um, and he cares deeply for us. You know, Psalm 20, your rod, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Your rod and this, your staff, they comfort me. Like these are all pictures of shepherds and what shepherds do. And they're the protector. But that rod is not just a protector. It's also a, it's a, it's a rod of discipline. It's right. stop, get in line, get in line, stop, stop wandering, things like that. So um, it is a great picture. And I love, and I mean, this is probably one of my favorite ones of all the I am statements is the idea of a shepherd. And partly because I think I'm like, as a pastor, I have that wiring yeah. to shepherd and care for people well. But well, yeah, as pastors, there's we that are tough called, love stuff too. Yeah. As pastors, we are called to, uh, that's why they're called pastors. You're called the shepherd, the yep. sheep, basically. It's kind of interesting. Uh, obviously, as a disclaimer, not in the same way that Jesus is the shepherd. <laughs> so different, different view there. All right, well, let's move on to our last three. But before we do, just want to take a time to ask you to leave a five-star review. If you've been enjoying the podcast, it really helps to get it out there to more and more people to grow this community of people reading the Bible together. Um, And of course, as always, if we get a written review, we will read it on the podcast because, you know, that's just the type of guys we are. (laughs) That's just... We will give you the credit you deserve. All right, well, let's move on to I am the resurrection and the life. Um, we're not going to spend a ton of time on this one because we actually did a deep dive into it a couple of weeks ago when we talked about the story of Lazarus. So it is in the midst of this. If you remember, uh, Jesus is talking with Mary and Martha. I think specifically this is Martha is the first one where he says it. Um, but she says, Lord, if you had been here, uh, my brother would not have died. And he replies with Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. All right. So there you go. That's John eleven twenty five. 25. Uh, 
It's pretty cut and dry. Yeah, it's cut pretty, and dry. Pretty it, straightforward. It's also just, it's, I, I keep trying to not use the word beautiful. It's just really hard not to use that word with the I am statements of Jesus yeah. because they're, they all paint beautiful pictures of who our Savior is. But yes, it's this idea of eternal life. This idea of that even in the midst of, and then this moment, it means actually life right now. Life is coming back. But it also points to, um, as Christians, death is not the end. Yeah, It's just the beginning uh, of the rest. <laughs> it's the beginning of eternity is kind of the way to look yeah. at it there. Well, I think it's important to remember too, um, it doesn't promise an easy life. And I think, I think that sometimes why we don't like focusing so much on eternity because our life isn't always easy now. So how can we focus and rejoice in something that's coming? Um, but part of Jesus's promise, part of who Jesus is, is he, he is meant and intends to provide in ways that supersede or, or, or transcend, I guess is a better word, the temporary. And, and it is like Jesus's mission was to remind us of the eternity that this earth is not our final home. It's not our final destination to be cliche about it. Um, that we get to anticipate the comings of a new earth and a new heavens. Again, going back to Revelation 21, but uh, it is, it is a, it's, it's a pretty cut and dry statement. And then we did do a lot of deep dive into it uh, just based upon the, the text last time. But uh, and it, it just, sometimes it's just the resurrection life. That's a big, big deal. So. Mm -hmm. All right, well, moving on to our next one here. This is another one of the really famous ones. Yeah. Uh, but it says, this is John chapter 14, and this is during the Last Supper. Mm -hmm. So this is kind of the last two. All the disciples two. are together. Yep, they're all hanging out. Even Judas, I think at this point, is still there. So I haven't, I ver haven't verified that, but it's possible. All right. Confirm. So John 14, it says, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house, there are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and I will take you to myself and that where I am, you may also be going. And you know the way and you know the way to where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you will you would have known my father also from now on you do know you do know him and have seen him all right this is a really famous one i am the way the truth and the life no one comes to the father except through me and it's a very similar idea to the door right if the if jesus is the gate if jesus is the keeper of the kingdom of god the way to the kingdom of god is exclusively through jesus the truth about who god is is exclusively seen through Jesus in the life that we see when he says, I am the resurrection and the life. He kind of, which is interesting because he kind of repeats that theme right here. He says, I'm the resurrection and the life, and then I'm the way, the truth, and the life. He says it twice. But eternal life with the Father, the way it was always supposed to be, that is also exclusively through Jesus. Yeah. That's kind of what he's getting at here. Yeah. And he draws a very hard line. You know, he just says, this is it. You know, and uh, I think it's, this is probably one of the more challenging I am statements, I think, just because the world we live in is um, very much open to other options uh, to see the same result. Right. And it doesn't work that way. Um, just a quick side note, Judas was still part of this at the time, just so oh, you guys know. So go. good job. Um, but yeah, I think it's it's one of the I, one of the hard, more difficult um, ones to, to, to follow because you want to believe in a loving God. You want to believe in God who's accepting. You want to believe in God who's going to, who loves us so much that he won't do bad and he won't condemn and he won't let his wrath be poured out. Um, 
And, and so it's hard sometimes to reconcile if Jesus is the only way to God, what about all those other religions? And it's hard because Jesus, Jesus himself said, I'm, I'm going to be the cause for division. Um, and, and so I just think that's, that this is probably for me, one of the harder ones to just reconcile and process through, not because I doubt or struggle with God's provision, um, but because I, I want everyone to have the same hope I do and, and right. sometimes it doesn't fit. So. Well, I think we just live as a society in general, we just don't value the idea or even believe necessarily the idea of objective truth. And so I think that's, a, that's another thing that can kind of more today than ever before. Yes. Right. It's, it's a very, it's a very modern idea. And I think, I, I do think we're kind of getting away from it. I think, and this is, I mean, I'm just a guy, so who knows, but like, I think within my lifetime, you'll see the pendulum swing the other way on it. But yeah, it has become very popular to just, even just to kind of doubt the idea of objective fact mm-hmm. and being able to step out and look at it, or even that there exists such a thing as objective fact. And you see, uh, what's just rewritings of, or reexaminings of all these different things, all these different areas, all these different stories, all these different histories that we're looking at. So kind of interesting. All right. Our final I am statement is the next chapter in John fat chapter 15. It says, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, He it is that bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered and thrown to the fire and burned. It's a lot of abiding. Yeah. Speaking of hard hard I am statements, this one is also, it's a very sobering reminder that Christ should always be in the center of everything that we do yep. as Christians, that Jesus is where we get our life from. He is how we do what we do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the second we start to think we're doing it on our own, that's a really dangerous place to be in. So, yeah. Well, I think the ultimate goal of the Christian life from a biblical perspective, again, agrarian society is fruitfulness. We right. want fruitfulness and, and not even just like the, the fruit of the spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Like that's one layer to it. Yes. But there's also, like byproducts of our our willingness to follow Christ's example. It's it's the ideas of generosity and servitude and humility. And those are all aspects of our Christian lives that should be growing in increasing measures. And the only way that happens is through our connectedness to Christ. He is the source of everything we need. Um, and that's and that's this picture. And then the hardship and the hard part of you know, if, if you're not producing fruit, you're, you're removed. Like the, the God who's the gardener or the vine dresser in the ESV, which is a funny word and I don't mm-hmm. like the word, but, uh, but the, 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 the gardener is the one who prunes and, or who, the one who cuts away branches and puts them aside that they're going to be burned in the fire, uh, which isn't, which is symbolism and a, and a, and a speaking to eternity and hell and that piece. But then he also prunes the ones who do stay connected because he wants the most fruitful life. And so we're not promised easy lives. We're not promised everything's going to be perfect and wonderful. No, there's pruning. God is actively working to to help us become the healthiest, closest versions of Jesus on this earth before we stand before him in eternity. And that's that's this picture. 
but we stay connected to Christ. That He is our vine. He's our source of life. Because the moment, I mean, one of the most, I remember as a kid, like probably an early teenager, I remember one of the most profound statements about a bouquet of flowers. Like the moment you cut them from the vine, they're starting to die. Right. And I, and I remember I was like, what? But they're so beautiful for a while. Um, and now that I'm an adult and I've seen them, they're good for like a week. <laughs> um, and then they wither and fade. But the moment you are removed, you have the semblance of health. You have the semblance of beauty. You have the semblance of, not the semblance, sorry, the, the, um, the picture. You look like you're healthy. You look like you're blooming. But the reality is you're cut, you're dying. And so Jesus is, is the vine. He's the source. If As long as we stay connected, there's always health there. So that's the picture. Yeah. And that wraps it up for the, the seven I am statements. statements of John. So hopefully as you were reading through John, you kind of picked up on the theme that was happening once in a while, but we wanted to continue to dive into the book of John a little bit because mm-hmm. it is fantastic. Yes. So, oh man, the book is so deep. Oh yeah. Uh, next week, however, we will be jumping back into the Old Testament. That's called a teaser. Yes, so it's coming. We won't tell you what we're talking about, but we'll be talking about something in the Old Testament. Yes. Um, so anyways, that wraps it up for this episode of Let's Read the Bible. As a reminder, we are a resource resource of the Grove Church, but we're not the only resource of the Grove Church. If you go online, you can find uh, all of our archive of past podcast episodes, our archive of past messages, as well as our Life and Limb blog. And then in addition, if this podcast has been a blessing to you and you'd like to financially support the ministry of the Grove Church, you can also do that on our website, grove.church. There's a give button in the top right-hand corner. But with that being said, we will see you all next week. Yeah, have a great day.